Welcome to the Endurance Cartel Podcast. I am your host, Javier Pineda, endurance athlete and exercise physiologist. And each week, we bring you accredited human performance specialists or inspiring athletes to help you optimize your true human potential. Now let's get down to business. Welcome to the Endurance Cartel Podcast. This is episode number 14. We endurance athletes want to lose weight, become lean, fast, powerful, have a high VO2 max, high lactate threshold, above par running, cycling, and swimming economy. And of course, we want mental strength and resiliency. The problem is that the majority of us endurance athletes or individuals that enjoy practicing endurance sports have a weak core and stabilizer muscles, making us prone to injury, doing our very best to achieve our wants. Sometimes we fall prey to bad experiences at the gym with a trainer or misinformation from coaches who don't know any better. The primary purpose of this podcast is to enhance your quality of life through information and personal experiences from athletes, trainers, and even doctors while ripping the rewards and benefits of endurance sports. I urge you to keep an open mind while you listen to this podcast episode. We are looking for progress and not perfection. Today's topic is, can plyometric training exercises help or hurt an endurance athlete? Therefore, the answer is yes. Plyometric training offers many core benefits for triathletes and endurance athletes. They include improved speed, improved strength, prevention of injuries, improved coordination. That means improved connection between our brains and our body movements. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode with my friend and colleague, Jordan Collins. Let's get down to business. Welcome to another episode of the Endurance Cartel Podcast. I have the privilege of having one of my good friends and colleagues with us today, Jordan Collins. He has uh, been a colleague of mine and a friend of mine at the same time since 2018 when you first came down from somewhere in Georgia, right? No, no Columbus, Georgia. Columbus, Columbus Georgia. Georgia. I was close. I was close, but I, I, I keep yeah. on mixing you up with the uh, UGA for some reason. But he is one of uh, those people I consider experts in the field of uh, plyometrics and mobility, as well as bodyweight training. And with so much time that we spent at the gym, sometimes we don't even have time to kind of pick each other's brains on what we're doing and how we're doing it. And, wh- and most importantly, the why. Why are we doing that exercise with that uh, athlete or client? And Jordan happens to be an expert on training not only kids, but also up-and-coming pros at college level and professionals. So, yeah, man, you basically do general population and uh, professional athletes at the same time. Since I am more of a slow-twitch kind of guy, you, my friend, are fast twitch. You don't do anything more than 110 meters at the track. Anything above <laughs> 110 meters is considered for you endurance. So for the listeners, <laughs> the topic today is basically how can we endurance athletes or anybody that wants to start a mobility program or a plyometrics program, or how can they incorporate plyometrics, body weight, mobility into their, their lifestyle? So they can have, they can be less prone of injury. Absolutely. You know, the, num- the number one rule for an athlete, be healthy. 
if you are not available and not healthy, you can't be the best. So the number one thing I'm always looking for is how can I safeguard the athlete and try and reduce the risk of injury? The best way to go about that, make sure there's tons of mobility, tons of stability, the athlete's strong and understands that they need to have power within their system, even if they are an endurance athlete. Uh, you know, it, it's about building up the, the, the volume and, and the tissue tolerance and the ability to stay strong in those endurance events, uh, just like you would in the sprint events. And the carryover is so important and so impactful. And define healthy. What's healthy for you in the sense of what do you expect your athletes to be healthy of? Healthy is functional and able to perform on the field at 100% or near that. That is something that's so, so, so important is that they are available. And in terms of mobility, because as an endurance athlete, I hear the word mobility and it sometimes com I confuse it with, uh, I guess I should do just do more yoga or any of that sort, or just maybe more Pilates because God forbid, I'll just go to the strength side and get all bulky and not be able to do what I need to do in swimming, biking and running. Yeah. Understandable. Yeah. You know, mobility to me, I, I like to think of the term of flexibility and strength. So it's not one or the other, but it's the combination of being able to utilize your end range of uh, end range positions and stabilizing those end ranges. Now, if you're not able to show strength in those end ranges, yes, that could be at risk for injury for sure. Um, that's why it's so important for athletes of all sports, all genders, all ages to have strength. Being strong as an athlete really takes care of a lot of issues. Uh, you know, a really common misconception I get with a lot of my athletes when it comes to mobility is hip tightness. Come in, oh, my hips are always tight. They're always tight and they're endlessly stretching. Well, they might not need to be stretching the hips as so much as activating the hips. That's why one of the first things I do with my athletes and myself when I get in a weight room, different band work just to get the hip musculature activated. So it's, it's essentially those end ranges. Am I able to stabilize and, and show strength in that, uh, in that area? If not, yes, that is a higher risk of injury because I'm essentially having that, that area that's a longer range of motion without the stability. Once I can stabilize the joint, stabilize an area of the body, that's when the risk of injury start, is going to start to diminish greatly. And When you train kids, I, I've seen you train kids as, I don't know what's the youngest you've trained, but they're young, man. And what is it that you see that you start make, uh, doing some exercises for all these kids and even some mobility for all these kids when they're still kind of still developing their end ranges? I look at a few basic factors of before these kids are certain athletes in specific sports, are they quality functioning human beings? Do they possess certain movement patterns, certain capabilities? And the first thing I'm going to look at is foot and ankle function. Uh, you know, the foot is what's actually rooted into the ground. So it's the most important thing and it's going to streamline up the body. So if the foot and the ankle doesn't function properly, yeah, at some point we're probably going to have some issues up our chain. Um, so foot and ankle work is the first thing I'm going to work on. Most of the time, if I can have my athletes barefoot, I'm going to have them barefoot a lot of the session, especially during our dynamic warm-up, uh, during a certain plyometric portions, just so the feet can understand the feeling of being rooted into the ground and being able to work our toes like our fingers. You know, if, our, if we don't have the, the movement 
in our toes like that. And that's something we immediately need to work on uh, before we're getting more advanced you know, up the chain. Beyond that, I look at very much postural alignment for a youth athlete. You know, I don't want to really load them heavy ex- with external weight. I think body weight is definitely the way to go. If you can't stabilize and utilize your body weight, there's no need for any external resistance. So teaching them how to squat correctly, how to lunge correctly, how to do a push-up, a pull-up, basic things that we used to do in PE class that is almost non-existent in society today. So trying to bring a little bit back of what's old school, you know, back into a new school era. I don't think I've ever seen you with um, guys coming in with hokas or any uh, extra cushioning on them shoes. What's your take on that? I mean, has an athlete ever come with those type of shoes and they want to start doing plyometrics because they say they've had experiences in the past? A lot of endurance athletes, they tend to go into some classes and all of a sudden these classes start making them jump and they're okay with those shoes. But the moment they get off those shoes, that's a different thing, right? But what what's your take on on people that do not have the right movement patterns and all of a sudden they start doing a plyometrics in in classes or any of that sort? The first thing is qualifying your athlete and understanding, you know, what their prerequisites are, what they, you know, what they're capable of, their progressions, regressions. So when we're talking about classes, a lot of those, those are, you know, predetermined exercises. Uh, with myself, it, it's all individualized training based off of prior assessments. So with the athletes that come through, we're going to go in and we're going to see some of these issues beforehand. And that's how we tailor a program. So if I see certain deficiencies, let's say in, in the foot and ankle complex, it could be something as simple as learning how to walk again or doing simple heel walks, toe walks, uh, learning how to do calf raises properly and understand how to recruit the muscles. So it could be very, very simplistic in design or get very, very complex based off of the, the quality of athlete and how long they've been in my system. But at the start, it is very what most people would think basic in design. Um, I do a lot of the same things over and over and over again as repetition to try and get that motor pattern perfect with the athlete and to try and establish as many tools in their athletic toolbox as possible. You know, we want to build as as, as nice and great of a home as we can. So I want to try, especially in a youth athlete, not to limit them in scope and let them be creative and start to explore their bodies a little bit more in a safe capacity. That's very, very important is teaching them the certain parameters, but then allowing an athlete to explore as well. For one, I've seen you do, quote unquote, what a warm-up would be, but it's an entire class for you. And I remember back in level three's um, certification, uh, DBC, they asked you, how long should you be doing these type of exercise? Because you were demonstrating some uh, type of movements that would be beneficial for a warm-up. And your answer was spot on un- until I feel like I they got it. That's a sign of a great coach, by the way. And this just comes to show that there is no time frame for a warm-up. There is, and uh, we're so fixated on the warm-up should be 15 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes. Hey, I didn't even warm up back in the day. And now I regret it because I, if I would have had better warmups, I would have kind of get my body prepped up, but I was not thinking I was and now sometimes I, I, um, my whole training session is just 
I mean, it's just based out of a quote unquote warm up. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's funny as, as younger athletes that are a little more, I guess, aggressive in our training approach, you know, we just think we can conquer the world and things, things like that, you know, skipping the warm ups pretty commonplace you know it's kind of like let's get out there do a couple twists touch our toes a little bit rock and roll but but really when you think about it we're doing such a disservice to ourselves as athletes and, and so much harm the risk of injury that we're increasing is just exponential i mean where we're not if you're taking a nice race car out are you going to warm the car up or are you just going to slam the gas pedal down and say let's do this so you got to think about we are very high quality, high functioning, functioning um, human beings. You need to make sure they're warmed up properly. Everything's fired up in the right manner. That you have a good sweat going. Uh, that you know, depending on the workout ahead, are we doing a highly intense plyometric workout that you need a really, really heavy warm up, or are we doing you know a recovery day that we're just going to do some basic cardiovascular work and maybe some core work? that's a very different warm-up that we're doing for each and we need to understand the warm-up prepares us for the work ahead it just so happens that today a, a friend of mine a very very good friend of mine he calls me up and says that he's uh he thinks he pulled his uh growing or his or something happened in his a deductor and and uh, he was asking me for advice and i gave him what i could but it he is about my age and um he's uh He's one of those that sits down a lot and um, he's become a weekend warrior come up almost in, in just going and playing soccer matches. And <laughs> it was his fifth soccer match. And he was so excited he was getting back. And uh, yeah, man, now he's out. So he just tied his shoes and let's go. I mean, this is what we <sighs> did in PE class. This is the, I guess, now more than ever that we're sitting down, we're on our phones more and it just says that we need more warm up. We need more mobility. Our hips need more work. Our shoulders need more work. And this is where I love that you do a lot of bear crawls with your athletes. And mind you, your bear crawls are very much different than what I grew up and understood. I thought that hips were just going all over the place and just get down on the ground and just crawl as fast as you can. This was a, that was a bear crawl for me. Your bear curls are just so much more systematic and in in a way it's it's uh, gratifying to see how it should be, you know? Can you just elaborate why an exercise such as a bear curl, such a simple exercise as a bear curl is such an important tool? Bear crawl has been in my repertoire since I was a athlete at the age of 14 years old. So... I, I, I've been utilizing bear crawls in some form or fashion for over 20 years now, and they are still just as hard. Bear crawls are unbelievable for uh, shoulder stability, core stability, hip stability, firing up uh, uh, your legs, your arms, your back. It's a full body coordinative effort. So I utilize bear crawls almost daily with my athletes, and I use them from almost a parameter of assessment. I will be able to, you know, really see how the session is going to go based off of the quality of the bear crawls, especially once they've learned how to utilize them properly, which is really tough, especially, you know, there's a lot of coordination to it. It's, um, it, it's not a typical animal flow bear crawl that where the limbs are usually a little bit lower to the ground. This is where the limbs are 
lifting all the way up. So there's a lot more stability and coordination going on with it. So it's tough for some uh, younger athletes. It usually takes, I would say, between two to four sessions. If I have an uh, athlete for the first time comes in and, and goes through my bear crawls and, and my ground warm up uh, very well, I know they're going to do very well in my system. And, and vice versa, I know the ones that you know might take five, six sessions. Okay, we're going to have to take some extra time and do some just basic stuff and you know turn back the clock a little bit and work some more generalized patterns. It works so much of your nervous system. It transfers over to gait as well. I've seen people that I've uh, put them on uh, just, hey, let's do the bear crawls. And for the, for the life of them, they cannot coordinate for some reason. This is something that's very important that transfers over to people that do run, a lot of running, that, that do, I mean, swimming or cycling, things that require, of course, some type of coordination. But then again, we're endurance. We always are in a straight line. And you, my friend, are a great, coach when it comes to getting them in all three dimensions, you know, and it's, I, I've uh, picked up some exercises that you do that I just like, oh, that's a cool thing I should, I should incorporate in my own repertoire. So, and it goes along with doing a lot of hip mobility and those and using a lot of hurdles. And that for me was golden. I never, I never use hurdles in, in my, my warmups or even in my whole workout. Now, now I like them. You know, it's it's funny with the bear crawls hurdles were, were introduced into my training protocols probably, yeah, I was probably about 14, 15 years old. So I've been utilizing the same hurdle routine for 20 plus years, both as an athlete, as a coach. And it's funny, it, it was stuff when I was a younger athlete, I didn't appreciate as much. And as I've aged, both as a coach and as an athlete, man, I, I mean, I will always streamline back to those because they provide both stability and mobility um, of, of certain areas of the body. They're great for coordination. They're simple, but very hard. Um, you can have one hurdle right there, and you can go through a whole workout uh, utilizing diff different areas. And it's unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable application dynamically. You know, there's ways to stretch the hips. I love, you know, I love the 90-90 position on the ground and things like that. But to help get an athlete in a way of getting some movements that they might do in, in, in real life or on the sport of play, uh, putting the hurdles up, they're great. And plus that external source is there as a guide where, you know, you can say, oh, you could do it in the air, sure. But having a barrier to go over is just something as, you know, a little internal competition with the athlete themselves, you know? Mm. Yeah. And also your Instagram page is, is very unique. I, I enjoy it very much because I don't see the same things your exercises, I appreciate them because you, again, it goes back to how you do them and what the response of that exercise you're looking for from that athlete. And many people, it, it looks simple, but they've come to get injured just doing some of those exercises. So it just comes down to what particular uh, stimulus you were looking for in an athlete in this, in, in all these uh, videos that you do. So just comes to show that don't uh, go ahead and try to incorporate them by yourself unless you you're knowing what the heck you're doing and why you're doing them absolutely i mean but i think it, it should go without saying anything that you see online you should have a qualified coach you, know, you should have a qualified coach that understands proper biomechanics and prof, proper movement patterning but also proper programming and you're seeing a small 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 snippet of a very very large program um, that people aren't privy to see the whole thing. And that little piece of the puzzle 
can be questioned, but there's a much larger reason for everything. So always, uh, you know, qualifying who, who you're training with and making sure, oh, I'm not just looking up something online and following it myself. It's usually not the best route for success. You know, it can work sometimes, but, you know, more often than not, it's much better to have a coach in, in, on your uh, supervision. Yeah. Let's wrap and wrap it up on the warm up because I, I want to not get carried away with so many topics at the same time. But what would be your ideal warm up for an endurance athlete? And when I say endurance athlete, I'm, I don't mean something, somebody that just does Ironmans, but somebody that just runs for, 30 minutes a day or anybody that enjoys the cycling or just swimming or any of that sort that just does something monostructurally, what would be an ideal warm-up for you? So the first thing I'm going to do uh, in a warm-up is, is get someone out of their shoes, get them barefoot, like I said. And it could be as simple as just working on some basic calf raises, some heel walks, toe walks, uh, heel to toe walks, very basic things that Anyone in old track and cross country days as part of your warm up, you would go through and do do these drills. Um, I, I want to make sure the foot and the ankle are working properly and they're activated, so that, that way we can streamline up the system. Once we do that, we're going to make sure that we're going to start to warm the body up, uh, get a thermogenic effect, and start to do some basic basic body weight movements up, up and down the up and down the track or the turf or wherever we are. Basic things like skipping patterns, shuffle patterns, back pedals. Uh, things like that, just to get the body big movements to get everything going. From there, I'll get a little bit more specific. And as the warm up goes, I'm going to get a little bit more intense, a little, uh, a little bit more close to what our actual workout is going to be. So we're going to go to the ground, start to work the area. So if we're dealing with a runner, for instance, we know we need to make sure that their quads are, are sufficiently warmed up and sufficiently loose. The hamstrings, the hips are activated, the calves, things of that nature. Once we get down uh, to specific uh, exercise on the ground, we're going to come back upright, get a little bit more specific with some running drills, uh, some basic sprint drills, uh, different A marches, A walks, certain switches, things like that that should be done, you know, almost daily. Um, what I like to call micro dosing those exercises. Uh, if you notice in myself in the gym, if I get a break, there are certain things that I like to quote unquote micro dose daily. Just get a couple reps in here and there and practice those patterns over and over and over. If I'm a runner. I want to practice drills that are going to make me more efficient as a runner. Unless I'm perfect, there's always something I can do to be a little bit better. And as I become more efficient, I should hopefully in that regards reduce the risk of injury. And, you know, and drop my times as well. So there's multiple regards to that. So uh, after our sprint drills, we're going to try and fire up the central nervous system. That's where I will implement certain hurdled, uh, hurdle work, bear crawl work, maybe some uh, base level pogo hops and basic extensive plyometrics. Not very intense stuff. Things that we're going to build tissue tolerance and understand how the foot is supposed to hit the ground properly to streamline up the system. If you, if you notice, that's a recurring theme of mine is the foot hitting the ground properly to make the rest of the system work efficiently. If the foot doesn't work efficiently, the rest of the system will not. I agree, man. And um, it's also important, again, that all these uh, warm-ups that we're mentioning here, it's you have a good assessment beforehand that your lower abdominals or your TVA are properly working. Uh, gait, we use a lot of our lower abdominals to lift up the leg. And um, if that alone is not really at, at par with uh, what we are mentioning here, that 
I don't think we should be messing with any of this and just get ourselves into a good basic functional core program before we start engaging in any of this. And uh, I don't know if you agree with me or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. If the core does not work, work functionally and properly, we're going to have some problems because something is going to compensate. The body is excellent at compensating whether we want it to or not. It's going to find a way to get it done. Whether it's the best way to do it, that's to be determined. <laughs> I agree, man, because I mean, it's a, it's a lot of things that body will adjust to in order for it to actually create the movement that we are asking the body to do. And how important is for you the cool down? Because I would, I mean, for me, the cool down was just like, oh, first off, the warm up was a waste of time because it was just getting in the, in the way of my of workout. And I thought, okay, I am too spent to actually cool down. So how important is the cool down for any athlete in that matter or any anybody? Hugely important. Hugely important. The cool down is going to essentially set yourself up for either success or failure for your following workout. If we're an athlete and we're training, let's say five days a week, Monday through Friday, and we had a really intense Monday, and all we do is just hop in our car and go home and, and, and chill out, okay, fine. Or we could spend five, 10, 15 minutes do, taking some recovery measures, doing some cool down stretches, uh, maybe getting in some Normatec boots, uh, taking an ice plunge, having soft tissue therapy, Anything in that regards to help speed up the process is going to, one, help you have more efficient workouts for the next day, and two, once again, reduce the risk of injury. So if we don't have that cool down, we're just slowly building and building, building up this, this risk of, all right, all right, we're going to get a little bit tighter, a little bit tighter. The muscles are working a little bit more. They're a little less fresh. So uh, it's hugely important. I will do a cool down with myself after my workout. And every night before I go to sleep, I have a foam roller and a mat out and, and right in my living room. And I'll always stretch and roll out for about anywhere. Could be five minutes, could be 20 minutes, depending on how my body feels. But I will always give back to my body or it's going to repay me in not the best ways. I think we're in an age right now that there's so much more information. But at the same time, there's good information. There's bad information. I've interviewed many, many people that have, um, they include more recovery in their programs with their athletes and th for themselves as well. And it's not how that we are overtrained, our endurance athletes, especially, I don't think we are overtrained, but we are just under recovered because we tend to do so much and it's so much of a monostructural thing. It's the same thing over and over and over and over again. And we're just going in one straight line. This is something I feel that it's uh, it's imperative to just take into account and just actually give your body the proper rest it, it deserves. But in essence, I feel that when working for some, or like plyometrics that are just going to give me that extra edge on a sprint or on the final sprint as well, and it's also going to give me some power for for my bike or even the swim, I think my my more recovery should be included in in uh, in workouts but i i see them with your athletes all the time and it's it's those are true coaching skills man thank you avi very much appreciated yeah and also i want i want you to talk a little bit more about your experience cuz i mean from a coaching standpoint sometimes it's a, our gym is not as a, a huge huge gym some sometimes we get 
uh, we eavesdrop in somebody else's conversation for some extra Y reason. And when you speak with your athletes and mainly the parents of your athletes, you're speaking out of not only your, uh, your knowledge, but also much more your experience because you, you suffered severe injuries that, I mean, that you learned from and uh, many of your athletes came, came to you because of that injury alone. Yeah. Yeah. My, my career was uh, based off of injuries. I think that's a big reason why I do what I do now was I wish that, you know, I had taken care of myself a little bit better, listened to my coaches a little bit more, maybe implemented a little bit more recovery, but yeah, uh, hamstring rupture was a recurring theme in my, in my track career. Um, I had a, a lower back fracture. That was, that's what ended my athletic career and really springboarded into, all right, my athletic career in college is over before all of my friends. What am I going to do to bide my time and keep myself me- mentally sane? And I just dove into understanding the human body and how to safeguard it from injury and I just started training anyone that would that would let me in and just went deeper and deeper and deeper. And I've always just become obsessed about, you know, the terms injury prevention or prehab or just making sure the body moves efficiently because I know that's what limited myself as an athlete. And I just made the promise, don't let that happen to other athletes. Be the reason that they can come back from things instead of their careers are being over. Yeah, man, it's such a young age as well that your body doesn't forget. And, um, especially when, I mean, the situation of it, I mean, you can't ways of preventing it, but your body doesn't forget and it's still there. The, I've seen you, um, on your workouts. I mean, you're very anal about the, the way you're, you're, you're moving and how, how to be moving. And, and you're, you ask yourself the same way that you ask your athletes and, um, and God forbid they speak back, to, back at you because they'll be slapped across the freaking <laughs> Uh, they won't be touched, but they'll be berated. Yes. No, they will not be touched. Um, that's not going to happen. No one's getting slapped. Uh, but no. That's just a figure of speech. I'm definitely what someone can, could call a uh, drill sergeant, per se. One thing about me is I am tough on my athletes, but I, I th- it's, it's tough love. And that the, the love part is what's really important is that all my athletes know I care about them very, very, very much. I'm very passionate about what I do and I'm very passionate about each athlete being the best version of themselves. And I'm going to push them. Now they might not be used to it or might not understand it, but they're, they understand it's all coming from a good place. So a lot of times you'll see them roll their eyes. I'm like, all right, you can roll your eyes. I know I'm being an asshole. I get it, but you got to do it this way because if not, there's an, for every action, there's, there's a reaction to it and it's either a good one or a bad one. I'm trying to make sure with all of my heart and all of my might, we always end up on the good path and not on the bad path, that we're setting ourselves up for success and not failure. So part of what I'm trying to do is impart all that knowledge I have to my athletes that are much younger and might not understand in the same context, but it's still my job to harp on it over and over and over because if not, it's, it, I'm not being a good coach. I'm doing a disservice to my athletes. You've had great success in all these kids that have come to you that I saw, I mean, look at Alfred, my God. I mean, what a, what a turnaround he did. Alfred is a client of uh, Jordan. He came with the exact same injury and mm-hmm. he 
a place at Harvard or played at Harvard. Finished up at Harvard. Yep. And I played soccer. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. And now he's uh, he's he's going places now. <laughs> it's a he's a true inspiration, man. As well as uh, this other Boliv Bolivian kid, that now he plays in the Spanish league or uh, Spanish league is it or the Italian league? Italian, yeah, uh, Allen, yeah, in the Italian soccer league, yeah. And uh, this last one, he was not even he's not even eighteen or something. Or just just turned it. I mean, the, these were kids, high school age age kids. Alfred was 17. Alan was 15 at the time. Their careers were about to be over. First, uh, Alfred had that uh, lower back fracture. Alan had a recurring hamstring injury. And they were coming to me both separately as last-ditch efforts. They were not coming to me for a high level of performance or Plymax. They were coming to me because they knew I'm hurt and you can help me get back to 100%. And that was the goal. Just be healthy again. Once we're healthy, then we can worry about being an athlete. So, and they, the, 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 those guys are awesome. They did all the work. I just guided them. But, you know, that couldn't have happened if there wasn't a level of experience from my end. Um, having gone through some of those trials and tribulations as an athlete, as a coach, you can put yourselves in those situations so the athletes can relate to you a little bit more. And that was a big thing was opening up, you know, both, both emotionally, spiritually, because as you're an athlete going through an injury, that's a really tough thing to get through. And you better have someone to talk to. I mean, I don't care who it is, just someone to relay your feelings. Because if not, following them up isn't the way to go. So that's something I always try and be as a big brother, you know, to all these athletes and say, hey, I'm here for you within sport, outside of sport, whatever you need. It's not just a one hour training and then see you. Uh, my, my cell phone's always open. My door is always open. If you need anything, I'm here to help you. I've also uh, seen you, and I I am uh, also very big on this. That if somebody comes in already with a prior nagging injury, but not as severe, and us endurance athletes, we're notorious for just because we're so tough, right? We just got to go through every injury, and it's not going to defeat me, and it's not going to bring me down. I'm still going to go racing. Now. I mean, we pay for it dearly later down the road. I saw, I read an article not so long ago about this uh, professional triathlete. One of his biggest regrets was not listening to his body and not race or, or, or train when he was having nagging injuries. And now he cannot do certain, I mean, he cannot fulfill certain things that he wish he could. What's your take on that? What is it that you do? with some athletes that come in with like, hey, Jordan, listen, um, come on, hamstring is kind of iffy, but hey, well, we, we can still do something. Or my low back is kind of, uh, but I can, I feel like I can still do some, some back squats or so, anything. What's your take on that? It's funny you say that uh, about, uh, about that triathlete because uh, I'll use myself as an example. As an aging athlete, that'll be 37 in a few weeks that trains himself no different than a college football player or college track athlete. I was supposed to have a lower body training session today. Woke up today, hips feel a little tight. My hamstring that I've ruptured a few times in the past is a little tight. I said, you know what? Today's not the day for it. I did a little bit of warm up, did some core work. And as soon as we get off this podcast, I'm going to go go a nice plunge and do recovery. A younger version of me would have said, screw that. I'm doing whatever I need to, max effort squats, da 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 da. Probably harmed myself and, and might have done a lot more damage. So there is a point of, sadly, experience comes from all of this. But as far as athletes coming in and they have kind of 
bumps and bruises and little nicks and things like that, you know, we're going to be fluid with the situation. So we're, it's a constant assessment. Um, a really good example is one of my high school's uh, female soccer athletes. She's healthy right now, but she's in the midst of preseason and the coach is putting it on them. I mean, it's full scale playing and then 30 to 45 minutes of max effort sprints after every practice. So she comes to see me after what she'll do on the way over. She'll text me, tell me what she did at practice, give me a number system, one through 10, 10 being the worst in the world, one being the best of how she feels. So I'll take that gauge. Uh, we'll check in when she gets in as she's starting to do her warm up, uh, starting to roll out, things of that nature, a little bit more low key. I'm going to check again. All right, we're going to get our gauge throughout the session. So if there's a little hamstring or something like that, we're going to do low level work. If it's not bothersome, we might do a little bit more, but I'm just going to rely on the athlete to be able to go back and forth with me and give me a good gauge of things. But at the end of the day, if I see something I don't like, I'm shutting it down immediately. If movement mechanics aren't right, it doesn't matter. Of reinforcing bad movement mechanics is just that reinforcing bad movement mechanics. That's not going to help the athlete. So unless it's done proper, there's no reason to do it. Where can uh, listeners find you on on the social on social media? Instagram. What's your Instagram? And uh, you do TikTok as well. I do do TikTok. Yes, got 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 to try multiple avenues to reach out to uh, to all athletes everywhere. But uh, yeah, my uh, my TikTok and my Instagram handle is a J Collins Performance. Uh, it's the same thing for both, so uh, they're interlinked. So if you see one, you'll probably see the other. And uh, guys, feel free to contact Jordan for anything related to whatever the topics that we discussed today, that we discussed the warm-up, we discussed uh, mobility, we discussed the importance of having a proper warm-up and having a proper cool-down and uh, just listening to your body. And it's being smart of not everything in black and white has to be done that day. And uh, this is something that we have to be very mindful of. Uh, Jordan, just thank you very much, man, for being here, man, and actually just picking your brain on cer certain things. And uh, I feel that we're going to be having you more often, man, because I mean, it's like it, a lot of questions just came up, but I don't want to just go down a, a rabbit hole and just start getting other topics. But it's you, you provided us with a lot of information. And uh, again, the listener, just feel free to contact Jordan on his Instagram or his TikTok. And I appreciate you, brother. And listen, I will be seeing you tomorrow, man. It's not like, because we see each other every day. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I really love hearing feedback from you. I am always trying to improve myself so I can better serve you at the highest level. Share with us a brief review on what part of this episode resonated with you the most. You can always download the show notes and useful links. You can go to my website, endurancecartel.com or any media channel you use to listen to this podcast. Also, make sure to share this with your friends and subscribe to this podcast. Until then, train smart, guys.